Welcome to Simply Financial with your financial coach, Kevin Ray. In today's investing environment, there's a lot of clutter. If you're tired of the talking heads and financial noise, this is the show for you. Today, we'll help you find simple solutions to financial challenges. We'll show you how to achieve your financial goals and get answers to your toughest questions. Simply Financial with Kevin Ray starts now. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Simply Financial. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you throughout the Tri-City area with offices in Pinconning. And uh, you can also find us online at insightfolios.com. Click the listen button, ask questions, listen to past episodes of the show in the podcast version. That's insightfolios.com. Kevin has about three decades of experience helping families get to and through retirement. He's the co-author of the book, Navigating Through Retirement. And it's always a joy to chat with him on the show each week. Kevin, hope you're doing well. What's going on, my friend? I'm doing much better this week, Walter. I was a little down last week, caught uh, some kind of bug, and I'm um, feeling better this week. How about you? Yeah, it's great to have you back in action. You're sounding pretty good, so it doesn't sound like you're, you know, you know, sometimes you get that week after being sick, and you kind of have that weak voice, and you just don't get back to 100%. You sound like you're on the mend pretty good. It's a good thing we didn't do this yesterday. Probably would have been there. <laughs> I got my radio voice going on now. There you go. Yeah. Hey, sometimes that post sickness can really give you that resonance. Then you're like, "Why? Oh, can I capture this resonance and make it permanent?" You know that little rumble you can get in your voice. I'll just go with my regular voice versus getting sick. I'll yeah, say yeah, I'll, I'll take that too. That's a good yeah. point. Well, glad you're feeling much better, and uh, we'll keep t- today's show light and easy for you as you get back into the swing of things. Okay. Yeah, you're talking about voices, though, Walter. When we first started doing this show, what, a little over three years ago now? Yeah, something like that. The first time I listened to my voice, I'm like, that's not me. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't, it I couldn't never believe sounds I sounded like, like yourself, it. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I sounded a lot softer than I thought I normally was, so. How about you? Have you have you noticed that when you listen to yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. never never gets. It's something you never get used to hearing yourself on on the radio. It's kind of like when you hear your own voice on a voicemail. You're like, oh, that's me. That's what I sound like on the phone. <laughs> yeah, definitely a bit uh, a bit odd. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, I think everybody kind of has that at least a sense of what that's like from the voicemail. But it's even more striking when you're hearing it on the radio. Yeah, I wanted to be more like you know John Wayne. I think I ended up sounding like Rick Moranis. So. What what's really funny is going back and listening uh, to old tapes from when I first started in radio. So back in um, when I was you know sixteen years old, I've got some of those tapes. I'll have to pull some up and play them for you. We'll have to do that one. That'd yeah, be fun. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe next week. R- remind me. I'll play some old clips from when I first started <laughs> in radio. We'll do that. Awesome. Well, we've got a great show on the way today. We're going to talk a little bit about grocery shopping. Say what? On a financial show? What's that going to be like? Well, we're going to talk about how going to the grocery store, something you do every week, how there are lots of good financial lessons embedded in that activity. Uh, we're also going to talk about real estate and retirement, maybe some bad assumptions that people make about financial planning and retirement, and maybe answer a question or two of yours uh, as a listener uh, on today's program as well. All that on the agenda. But let's start off with something fun, Kevin. I have a fun fact of the week for you, it's something you and I have talked about before, bats, but an interesting stat or a little you know, trivia tidbit about bats. They can eat up to 1,200 mosquitoes in an hour, and they average between 6,000 and 8,000 insects in total each and every single night. Wow, one bat. That makes me like bats a little more. Yeah, I'm going to start building bat houses. Yes. Because I live out by the water, and we have all the mosquitoes and 
all the bugs. And I, yeah, that gives me a new appreciation for those little buggers. Because normally you hear those stories, right? And your kid, they're going to get tangled in your hair and all that kind of good stuff. So you grew up with that fear. At least I did. Yeah, I, and, uh, I don't like them. We have them at <laughs> our house and they're all over the place. And they, there's a little crevice next to our fireplace, and it's near the side door, the, the main entrance that we use all the time. And each spring, the bats get up into this little crevice. I need to do something before this spring comes around. I need to block that out so they can't get up in there. But it means that they're coming and going every night right near our side door. And one time this year, I guess one of the bats got a little disoriented. We were taking the dogs out um, for the final time in the evening to use the bathroom. And instead of going up into the little crevice, the bat must have been coming back home. And he instead went right into the side door and got into the house. And so here I am. I'm like, I have Connie, like, take the dogs over to the garage. And they're in the garage while I'm trying to catch, capture this bat in the house and get him <laughs> out. And I'm chasing him all around the house. And he keeps flying past me. And I'm diving down to the ground. It was it was quite comical. It involved a leaf blower trying to blow him out the window. <laughs> some, th- some things the Humane Society probably wouldn't be happy with, my techniques of trying to get rid of this bat. But <laughs> when, when we were kids, we'd stay at my grandmother's once in a while, Grandma Tutson in, in uh, Bay City. She had this, it was a big old house that she had, and once in a while a little bat would get in there. She was the bat, what do you want, a connoisseur. She could catch a bat within a matter of minutes. She had this big smelt net that she used to use. Oh, that's great. And, she, and it had high ceilings in there, so she would, she could catch them fairly quick after a while. About one or two a year would get Why in the house. Why didn't I think about I should a, a net would have been perfect. That's what <laughs> yeah, I should have done. Yeah. I was trying to use, like, containers. I don't know if I had a good net, but I could have gone and found one. Maybe I have one in the garage, like an old fishing net or something that might have worked. That works. Worked for my grandmother. She was pretty good at it. Yeah. I need to. I need to. I'll, well, that'll definitely be my game plan next time instead of trying to use a container to trap him up against the wall and then slide a piece of paper over top of it. That's <laughs> that's where I was, Kevin. So. It's kind of like that guy we just seen on the internet or on the news that he trapped that alligator in his garbage can. Did you see that? I didn't see that. No. Uh, uh, he kind of pushes him in the garbage can and closes the lid. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, it took him a while to do it, but that was pretty funny. That's fantastic. I'll have to go look that up. Uh, by the way, the end of that bat story, he's just fine. We got him out the window and life went back to normal. So, oh, you're uh, much you're much easier on than my grandmother was. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, these days you, you shoot, you get in trouble if you hurt a bat in some yes. places. You know, they're yeah. very very heavily protected, especially the babies and that sort of thing. Uh, well, in any event, fun bat stories to start us off on today's show. All right, let's get into some fun talk and also some uh, stuff that's going to maybe make you a little hungry because we're talking about the grocery store here, Kevin, as we want to get some financial lessons from this. Or oh, common theme, hungry. Uh, common theme. Yeah, we always find a way to talk about food on food. this show. Yep. Regular listeners know this. When you go to the grocery store, Kevin, whether it's uh, emergency shopping before a big snow or ice storm or just your regular routine trip, Almost every single time you go to the grocery store with at least some sort of list. Uh, If you go without a list, it's probably, one, you're going to spend way too much time there because you're just going to go up and down the aisles. You're going to forget something that you actually did need, and you're probably going to buy a bunch of of things that you didn't need. I can't think of a time I went to the grocery store and didn't at least have one, like, goal or mission of something I needed from the store. Wow, that's it. Um, So when you go to the store, you know, you don't have that list. For me, who goes to the store for you, Walter? More you or Connie? Oh, I I I love grocery shopping. So that so, is that is definitely my role in the family. I grew up going to the grocery store with my dad. We would go shopping every weekend, the two of us, and we would just have a blast when we'd go to the grocery store. I know that sounds funny, but we would just have so much fun at the grocery store together. It was our thing. And so I think I've just always really enjoyed going to the grocery store. I don't rush. I take my time. I get a cup of coffee. I have some coffee while I walk around. It's just like a, I love going to the grocery store. It's my thing. 
You know, they make medication for that. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, man, this guy really needs to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a list? Uh, I usually do have a, a list that I'm operating off of. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's, it's half science and half art when I go to the grocery store. So there's okay. the must-haves, but then there's a little art that happens of, hmm, what am I feeling inspired to make, and what kind of ingredients might I want to make that thing with? So, so you're going into the store with an idea of what you really need. I've at least got a loose plan. Yes. Yep. yep. So we can go into the grocery store of investments the same type of way, can't we? If you, if you think about that, in retirement planning, you know, people don't really know what to do with their money sometimes do you need income if you're going into that store do you need long-term growth do you need a hedge against long-term care costs a little bit of all that stuff know what you need if we're going into the grocery store of investments you know maybe you're looking for growth income bonds cds and then how do you figure this out walter how do you think you figure out what you know what you need before you're going into the grocery store of investments well, you just got to think about it. You got to plan about it. And I have to write it down. If I, if I think about what I need at the grocery store and then I get to the grocery store and I haven't written down the list, I'm constantly calling Connie to say, hey, what was it that we needed? We just talked about it two minutes ago, but I've already forgotten. So I've got to write it down to make sure I stick to it. Yep. And you got a plan because you're going to make something somewhere down the road, right? Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So we have a recipe th- that we're operating off of, something like that. Yep. Same thing here. Your financial plan should dictate what what kind of investments that you're going to need to get in that point of life that you're at. So if you're 20 years old, you're probably looking for growth investments. If you're getting closer to retirement, you're probably looking for something that's generating income. If you're older, maybe that changes up there too. But going into the grocery store of investments is different for everybody, depending on what your goals and what you're trying to meet and those types of things. What I tell people is stay away from the product pushers. You ever go into the grocery stores, the Sam Clubs, and they're always giving you these free samples? Yeah. Oh, I, some people go just for the samples, right? Just for the samples, <laughs> right. Well, you can relate that to the financial world, too. We have you know what we call product pushers out there. They only sell one thing and one thing only. You know, that's generally not in your best interest. So know what you need and how do you know what you need? You sit down and you start doing that financial income plan and that will give you the direction of what investments you're going to need in your portfolio. Very good. And I think uh, these are kinds of questions and ideas that a lot of people can identify with, especially this next one. When you go to the grocery store, you kind of have to make sure everything fits together. You know, if you go and you kind of wander aimlessly around picking out food, you end up with a cart full of items that might be good on their own, but they don't fit together very well. I actually did this recently when I went in without the best of game plans. And yeah, I ended up with a whole bunch of like, okay, this uh, these peppers don't really go with this meat that I got. We really should have gotten like some sausage to go with it. And instead I got like, you know, bison or venison or something like that. And oh, I got these weird noodles that, yeah, these noodles aren't going to match with anything. Huh, all this looked good on its own, but this is not going to make the dinner I thought it was going to make. So you're not going to have a full four-course dinner. You're going to have just a single entree is what you're saying, right? Yeah, it's, it may be how yeah. it turns out. Or it's just going to be a bunch of weird things thrown together that Connie then looks at me like, well, what were you thinking when you made this? <laughs> so you have this hodgepodge of different things put together. Yeah, that's saying. what it yeah. turns into, yeah. So when someone comes in my office, Walter, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. How many times do you think that they come in with a hodgepodge of, oh, let's say, different investments? I would say pretty frequently. Pretty frequently. Yeah. That, that happens. You know, because a long life, like we just talked about a minute ago, you may have bought something when you're in your 20s or you may invest in something when you're in 20s where now you're in your 40s. It's a little bit different. So we have to start fitting these things together to make sure that they're, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be in your plan at whatever point in life you're in right now. So don't just have, you know, a hodgepodge of investments. And I'm going to tell a quick little story here, Walter. We had, do you remember me telling about the clients who first came in and they had the picnic basket full of statements and whatnot? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, they came in. Now, this they first came in probably eight, nine years ago, and they came in two weeks ago. And guess what they're doing now? What's that? They're retiring. Oh, already? Okay. Yep, they're retiring. So what we did is we took that hodgepodge of investments and we put them in. You know, we, we, we might have you know sold some and bought some different things, but we did one thing is we got them going in the direction that they were headed, and that was towards retirement. And that was nine years ago. Some of the investments they bought years and years ago just didn't fit into their overall plan. So we adjusted, we tweaked, and we got them to the point to where they are right now, and she is, or he's retired, and she's going to retire here in the next couple of months. So if that's you, you got to make sure everything fits together. You got to make sure everything's going to what you're trying to accomplish. If it's a retirement, we need to look at income. That's obvious. Income is going to be king. Your paycheck stop. Your investments now. Your employees. Those employees got to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no vacation days. And what is their mission? produce income for you in retirement. How do you do that? Make sure everything's fitting together and is doing what it's supposed to do into your retirement plan. We're talking about how you can have a better financial plan, a better retirement future, and learning some lessons by talking about shopping at the grocery store and uh, how we prepare for that. If you have questions about something we talk about on today's episode, reach out to Kevin at 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. You can see sometimes we're uh, a little non-traditional here on the show. We like to have a little fun along the way in how we talk about finances and retirement planning. Yeah, we, we, we try not to be a, always boring here on the show and just uh, you know have, have some fun here and there. So, our, our personality shine through, that's for oh, sure. That's just it's <laughs> such, a, such a bright personality we have to share with the world, isn't it? <laughs> yes. All right, here's another one. Uh, this one I'm, uh, I'm a little guilty of. You should know how much you're paying when you go to the grocery store. I mean, you don't completely ignore the price of the items when you go in there, do you, Kevin? I don't. You know, so like you say, you got a good overall idea what you're paying when you get to the, at least I do, Walter, when I get to the counter, I gotta, I'm pretty close to what the actual total is going to be. And do you know what the difference there versus the financial world is? What's that? Well, you, but let's say you buy a box of macaroni and cheese at the store. You know exactly how much it costs, mm-hmm. don't you? Yep. There's no... Oh, there's no <laughs> hidden fees usually when you buy, other than just you know adding a little bit for taxes for each item kind of thing. Exactly. It's marked right on the box. So if you go into the financial world, you just hit it on the head. There's hidden fees. So if you buy, let's say, a mutual fund and you think because you get your statement and then it says the expense cost is 0.55%, if that's the true cost, you're probably wrong. Because most mutual funds are, you know, between 2 and 4%. We cited that Forbes article several times. So knowing how much things cost can add up over time. If, you don't, if you're paying 1% more, 2% more, 3% more, whatever it is, over 10, 20, 30 years, that adds up quickly. So you should know how much you're paying in these investments because maybe there's a different alternative. Maybe there's a better alternative that maybe we can take away some expense. Personalfund.com is a great place to go and see exactly how much you're paying in your uh, mutual funds. And you'd be surprised. Most people are surprised when we break that down and show it to them. So you really need to get a good handle on that because let's say, Walter, you have a half a million dollars saved in retirement and you have one investment, the cost is two and a half percent and the other one is 1%. 1%. That's 1.5% difference. That adds up over time, doesn't it? it with all other things being equal, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a no-brainer there. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. So that's what we're talking about here. Know what you're paying for, and maybe you know we can dive into that a little bit further and then pull out, extract those numbers that most people don't see. And that's done by design as far as, as, far as I'm concerned because the only thing they have to show you is that expense ratio, and that's what most people are, are akin to. Very good. All right. One more comparison, Kevin, and then we'll move on to a new topic. Um, the cheapest option isn't always 
the best. This is a good lesson I've learned over the past year when it comes to quality, taste, uh, also health, those kinds of things. You know, I'm spending a lot more at the grocery store, but I do think I'm getting better quality for what I'm buying as, you know, part of my journey to, you know, lose weight and get healthier this past year. Yeah. Before we go on, Walter, update us on the weight loss. Where are you at? Uh, I, did, I, I, did I announce we officially hit the 100-pound loss mark? Uh, we did not. All right. I, I knew I was flirting with it in a recent show. Yep, so yep, yep. I, I've, I've officially hit it. And, and I'm sitting there right now at the exact 100 mark. So Good for you. Yeah. Very we'll have to put a we'll have to put a, a Walter uh, picture up there for everybody who's trying to lose weight and give them some encouragement. Pick picture of inspiration. Yes, yeah, yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> just just picture Brad Pitt in your mind. That's kind of <laughs> that that's that's the vicinity I'm approaching. So we don't well, even have to do an actual picture. <laughs> now you are op- you, you are op- you know you're looking at opportunity there. I'll give you that. That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Cheap isn't always the best off option. I'm a huge soup guy. I don't know if you know that, Walter. Oh, been, okay, yeah. I like soups. I, mm-hmm. I, I've been eating soup when I was in when I went to school here in Pinconning. I would have an hour lunch, and I only lived about half a mile away, so I'd run home, Campbell's chicken noodle soup, and then run back and eat it, and then with a piece of bread every day almost. So for, I I grew from eating soup to like making soups, and you know my my friends call me the soup Nazi after the uh, you know Seinfeld, oh, Seinfeld episode because yeah. episode, mm-hmm. I really like soup. So I noticed that, you know, if you're going to the grocery store, there are certain soups I like, but if you get the, you know, generic brand, it's just, it's just awful. You know, there's no taste. So the cost, I might as well just throw that money away because I'm not going to eat it. I'll take one or two bites of it and just don't like it. Well, the same thing goes in the financial world. Sometimes, you know, you, you may be paying more than you should be paying and there's no good reason. And other times, well, it makes sense. I just needed a humidifier put in my house. And I've been dealing with the same heating and cooling company for years. But over the years, over the last couple, two, three years, I've had an ownership change. And I'm just not getting the service that I used to get. You know, I call. They don't call me back. Um, you know, the guy will call me back. Or we schedule this day. They, they put me off. Those types of things. So I finally ended up getting tired of that. And I called a new heating and cooling um, place. And they were just a little bit more expensive. But when they finally did come in, everything was done right. Everything was cleaned up. Everything was professional. And the overall things that they noticed while they were there that the other company didn't help me become more energy efficient. So I don't mind paying a little bit more money for doing that. I don't mind that uh, one at all because service is king with me. And in our office, we like to be what we call service. We like to be, you know, if you need something, we want to be there for you. We want to return your phone calls. We want to do all those things that we hear other advisors aren't doing. So cheap isn't always the best. A lot of times we've heard this, you get what you pay for, but just be mindful of that. Sometimes a little bit more cost is helping you overall in the big picture versus saving a few dollars here or there. All good lessons. And again, if you have questions for Kevin about something we talked about on today's show, you can reach out by calling 888-885-PLAN. Get your own complimentary financial review. Find out where you stand right now, where you need to go in the future to accomplish your financial goals. Again, reach Kevin by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. All right, more coming up on today's show. You're listening to Simply Financial and more on the way. Thanks for being with us today on Simply Financial. Walter Storholt here alongside Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios in the Tri-City area based in Pinconning. You can find us online at insightfolios.com. Or if you have questions, call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-PLAN. Kevin, we want to be careful of making assumptions in life and certainly in retirement planning before we know all the facts. Because sometimes those assumptions 
can be correct, but they could also be just as likely wrong and lead us to some bad conclusions in our financial situations. I'm going to throw out a few scenarios to you over the next couple of minutes where these things could be correct, but they could also be a bad assumption. I'd like you to help us walk through some of the consequences of assuming these things, how often you see it becoming a problem among clients that you meet with, and maybe some ways that we can guard against making some bad choices here. Sound good to you? Sure. All right, let's kick it off with this one. Uh, we'll start with a Roth IRA. A lot of people invest in Roth IRAs or even traditional IRAs will apply to this as well. There are a lot of assumptions made that a Roth IRA will be the best way to save you money in the end. But there are also other people that make the assumption that it's the other way around, that traditional IRAs will save you the most money. Why is it risky to make an assumption either way in that case? Well, it's different reasons here. So if you're a younger person, let's say you're just starting out in the workforce, maybe you're 20 years old, and you've got 30 years ahead of you, 30 plus years ahead if you're starting out 20 probably, of investing in 401ks or 403bs or whatever it is, that Roth is much more attractive for the for this particular reason. If you grow, if you start and you and you, you know, invest every single week out of your paycheck, it won't be long before you reach a million dollars. Now, people are out there saying a million dollars? Yeah, over 20 or 30 years. We have people come in all the time, well over a million dollars, and that's how they started. So if you start out young and you grow that to, let's say, one million dollars, and you have it in a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k or Roth 403b, what is the big trigger there, Walter? What's the big reason why that should be, you know, we're talking about it right now? The, the pay me now, pay me later concept? Yeah, so yeah, when it grows to that million, that million is all yours. Yeah, all right? yours, no right. taxes. You're not sharing it. But, but on the other end, right now, let's say you're putting in $500 a paycheck. Well, that $500 a paycheck, you don't get that tax deduction now. So pay me now or pay me later. And now on the other hand, if we have a traditional IRA, somebody's doing that, maybe they're getting close to retirement where they do need the tax break. Same scenario, $500 a paycheck. But that person who's getting nearer to retirement, their earning years are usually earning more money. Maybe they're married, they got a double of the income, and they could use that tax break. And the majority of their money is sitting in traditional IRAs or traditional 401ks. So in that scenario, it's pay me now or pay me later now. And that scenario is going to be pay me later. So when you start withdrawing that money, whatever you withdraw, 100% of that, if it's in a traditional uh, 401k, is taxable. So you gotta be careful, there's a fine line going on there. Sometimes it makes sense to do a little of both. And how do you figure that out? Well, you sit down and you look at, you know, we talk to get your tax guy or tax gal and, and involved in this conversation and we look going down the road. Walter, when I graduated in 1979, what do you think the highest tax bracket was? Oh, wow. Uh, you always ask me these like specific year tax uh, bracket questions. I think it was pretty high, right? Or was that not until? It was, uh, it was high. It was high, it was okay. High. All right, all right. Yep. I don't know. 70%. Oh, 70%. All right. 70%. Now, that's, now I'm thinking 1979, my brain's not that long ago, but it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> um, but Just the, the other you, day. Just the other yeah. day. So if we go back to those tax rates, that, that way we can see that Roth is going to make more sense. But if we stay in a relatively low tax environment where we're at, well, maybe the traditional makes more sense. So you, how do you figure this out? You sit down and we start putting, you know, 
uh, penciled the paper and we figured it out for you and we forecast it down the road in our simplicity process. Very good. I think this is uh, something that's worth discussing because you see how easy it is to hear something from a friend or a loved one uh, or just something in the media maybe that just kind of shapes your worldview about a Roth being the best option or a traditional being the best option. It worked for so-and-so, so it would work for me. You make that assumption and you move ahead. This is pervasive. I mean, this happens throughout a lot of different elements of the financial world. Another area Area where we see this, Kevin, is in Social Security. A lot of people will say that delaying Social Security is going to yield the most income over the long haul. So a lot of people don't want to take it early. They want to push it off because uh, they, they assume that's going to be the best way to approach it. Always the case or no? No. And I can give you just, you know, we just lost a relative here recently. She was 68 years old and we did this type of planning for her and coronavirus unfortunately took her and it depends on how long you're going to live, right? None of us know that. So in this case, it probably would have been better if we looked at taking it earlier on versus letting it go for a longer period of time. Now, just the opposite. We've had several clients that come in. We take it later on. They live till 85, 90, 95 years old. Of course, that makes sense because you have more years to live. But the big thing here is we never know how long we're going to live. There is no tomorrow. We don't have a guaranteed tomorrow. And things like this happen. So how do you figure out? There's a, there's a medium here again. And that starts with the income planning process, our simplicity process. I can show you taking income at 62, 66, 70. And we can look at it mathematically, which is the best way to take it. But then we have to take into effect, how's your health? How's your family self? Do you have you know heart disease in the family? Do you have longevity in the family? Whatever it is, we have to take some assumptions. And then we have to like sort of solve that that problem with some assumptions and then with with math and putting it into your plan. So delaying, if you live a long time, we'll pay you more. There's no no question about that. But what if we don't live? What if we what if we die at seventy two? What if we die at seventy seven? And then we got to look at the other no, thing. No, nobody likes playing that what if game. That's the tough no, part of this, right? That's it. And then when you retire early, are you more active, say from sixty five to seventy or seventy to seventy five? So are you going to enjoy it more, younger? And so there's lots of things that we look at when we when you look at delaying your Social Security. Uh, putting your money in bonds creates a safer portfolio. I mean, we've heard that for many, many years, Kevin. Get out of stocks, go into bonds. But at this point, that becomes uh, a bad assumption these days, right? Well, with the interest rate risk out there, yeah. If you have a long-term bond and interest rates rise by 1%, it could dramatically affect your bond yield or your bond price. It could go down dramatically. So we know the Fed's already told us that they're going to raise rates three different times next year, or they're intending to, and maybe more. So bonds, they have this overall feeling that they're safe, unless you're looking at like a government bond or, but you know, you could buy a corporate bond, a junk bond, there's many bonds out there that do help diversify your portfolio. But there's this, there's this tight rope we got to walk right now because interest rates are going to rise. How much of a bond exposure do you need? What duration of bonds should we put in? Should have short-term, intermediate, long-term bonds? Should have a mix? All these things come into play. But bonds doesn't, you know, when we say bonds, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe because they do lose value. All you got to do is, is, is look at them over time. Now, for most people, they say, no, bonds have done pretty good. That's because interest rates have been coming down for so long that the bonds have done pretty good overall. But now the interest rates are going the other way. We have to be careful. We have to be careful how we you know, diversify in bonds and which bonds we're picking and putting in our portfolio. All right, Kevin, let's go one more here. Uh, if you take a lump sum when you're offered such things uh, through your you know, work situation, uh, that's the best approach. Take that lump sum and run, right? 
Well, not always. You know, I, I get a lot of people in here that, uh, you know, they work for General Motors uh, a few years ago, Hewlett Packard. And there was a company out there. Uh, we had, a, I think he was 55, 54 years old. He came in, they offered him a pretty good lump sum. And I figured out the payout ratio. The payout ratio was like 6%, meaning that you had to get a 6% return on the outside to kind of equal that same payment. But what they did, which was very unusual, they offered cost of living on that pension also, meaning that was really you know a, a good a good thing in that particular pension scenario. So not only did he get a high payout, but he also got increasing amounts every single year as long as they were both alive, him and his wife, that allowed them to keep up with inflation. So it's in the, it's different. Everybody's different. Some people are you know we look at how good is the pension fund that it's in. Do they have cost of a living? How much are they offering you? Can we get close on, on the outside? All these things come into play, wh- whether it is the best choice to take a lump sum or not. And I would say in most cases, when people come in, it's 50-50, uh, depending on where they work, their age, and, and those types of things. So don't assume that taking a lump sum is always the best approach. And I know sometimes, you know, just on paper, it makes a lot more sense. Sometimes it doesn't. How do you figure it out? Well, you sit down, you just do the scenarios that I'm talking about. Do we have cost of living? How much is it going to pay you out? What's your longevity in your family? All kinds of factors that we look at. And are you married? Um, do you want this to stay? You know, do you want to have control of it? all those things come into play when we're talking about this? So you need to sit down with somebody, you need to figure out what is truly your best approach versus assuming that taking a lump sum is just your best approach. All right, we're talking about how you can improve your financial situation, your retirement uh, future by making good decisions. By avoiding these bad assumptions. If over the last couple of minutes you've heard one of these assumptions and you've been, you know, guilty, not pointing the finger or anything like that, but if you're like, ooh, yeah, I've made that assumption before, uh, that might be a good little sign that it might be worth to get a review of your financial plan, maybe get a second opinion of how you're structured. Because if you've built your plan off of some of these assumptions, well, that might be cause for concern. And so maybe think about that a little bit more. Have Kevin look at the financial plan that you have currently and uh, make sure that it is properly set up for you, not only for where you stand right now, but where you're going into the future so that you can accomplish your retirement goals. Kevin has specialized in working with families throughout the Tri-City area for several decades now. He can help you plan for your retirement as well. All you have to do to get in touch is call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. Let Kevin know you'd like to have a conversation. You can start it out over the phone or Zoom or come in for a meeting as well, whatever you're comfortable with. 888-885-PLAN is the number to reach Kevin. That's 888-885-PLAN. Give a call now. Take advantage of a complimentary financial review. We're coming up on today's show. Stay tuned. This is Simply Financial. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Kevin Ray, your financial coach here on Simply Financial, a little bit better on today's show. Kevin, I've got a fun question for you. You know, we always talk about food here on the show. So today's getting to know you question, of course, is going to deal with that. Uh, What is your favorite, not that any of us have probably been to a movie theater in a couple of years, but what is your favorite movie theater snack? Oh, geez. I can remember when I was a kid, we had White's Theater right here, right by my office and and unfortunately burned down in, I think, the 70s or 80s. But I couldn't wait to get that popcorn. You know, yeah. soak it with butter. You know, they had this great big tub. So it was wasn't like a candy bar. You know, you're done in two or three minutes. It was just lasted and lasted. And I've always been a big popcorn eater to this day. Uh, Bruce, you know my buddy Bruce. He sent me this microwavable thing. You throw it in a microwave, no oil, no butter. 
and it cooks it up really big Ooh. and fluffy, and then we throw the butter on it. And then, yeah, always been a big popcorn fan. How about you? Yeah, I mean, popcorn to me is sort of a given in this question. Like, who doesn't go to the movie theater and get that movie theater popcorn? It's nostalgic. It tastes amazing. Like, you, you just can't beat that. If I had to pick something, like, if I should have said that you can't pick popcorn, because I feel like that was too easy to pick popcorn. Jujubes in. Okay, there you go. What was your, yeah. that, that should have been the question. What's your secondary go-to at the movie theater? Yep, what, big what is a jujubes? It's like, uh, I can't remember. It's, it's chewy. It's, you know, it takes you a long time to chew on It's them. like a jelly bean or? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of okay. like a jelly bean, different flavors and those types of things. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, I think that's what they called them. I, mine would be the, uh, the little cookie doughs. Ooh. You know, little cookie dough snacks, like little cookie dough bites, those little, little or, or milk duds. I don't know. Maybe I could just throw some milk duds in there. Oh, no, no. I was a huge milk dud guy. So, yeah. yeah. So I probably lean towards milk duds now you said that. Those are those are like two things I'd never eat at home, but like at the movie theater, definitely go to. No doubt about yes. it. Yes. All right. Yes. Nice. All right. Let's go get So, to- how many times have you walked through the mall, mm. Walter, now where the movie theaters are, and you smelled that popcorn? You weren't going to a movie, but you had to pick some up and take it anyway. Oh, I, well, I, I haven't ever done that, I don't think. I've, I've done that lots. Have you? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you've got my wheels turning. You've got my wheels turning, Kevin, <laughs> of like, yeah, why haven't I done that? <laughs> I could just go get the popcorn and not have to go see the movie. Yes. Yes. Why haven't I ever done this? This well, sounds amazing. <laughs> I got a new tradition for you and Connie now. <laughs> no, no, there's a reason. Because the movie theater that I go to, you can't get to the... You can't get there. You can't get to the popcorn area without buying a ticket. Oh, really? Yeah. They, the ticket check is before the food area. Well, you need to go and talk to them and increase your sales and get a profit. That's a that. great point. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, I do know some old school movie theaters. There's an old school one by the house that I, I believe I could pull that off where you just go in and you buy the thing because then the tickets take isn't until afterward. But some of the newer theaters, the ticket takers are before you actually get to the food area. Hmm. So I've never seen that here in here in mm-hmm. our area. Nope, you can go in and grab it. Well, how about that? Interesting. But you've got my wheels turning. I'm gonna be on the lookout for that next time I'm at a at a mall and I see the movie theater. I might just be like, let's get some popcorn real quick. <laughs> Let me know if it works. Oh, I'll try it. I'll bet it'll be fantastic. I love the idea. I I, I feel like you're a genius for having thought of that. Something so simple. <laughs> well done, my friend. All right, let's go uh let's go get some popcorn after the show today. How's that sound? I'm I'm ready. All right, we'll do it. Uh stay with us. We'll come back, wrap things up here on Simply Financial in a few moments. Another good segment on the way. Then it's popcorn time. Stay tuned. No need to complicate it. This is Simply Financial. Thanks for joining us today on Simply Financial. Walter Storholt here with Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios. If you have questions for Kevin, want to get a complimentary financial review, give him a call at 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-PLAN. Kevin, I wanted to uh, squeeze in before we end today's show a few questions about real estate and retirement because I know this isn't the uh, the center of your conversations with folks when they come in to meet with you, but in some way, shape, or form, you're going to have at least a few conversations about real estate and how it plays into the entire retirement planning equation. So I want to spend a few moments talking about it on today's show. And I want to get your general view of a couple of different uses of real estate in a plan. And do you see it incorporated often into your client's financial plans, or is it more of a you know, here and there kind of situation? Uh, so first of all, first one I can think of is, is rental property. How often are you meeting with clients who are dealing with or wanting to maybe get into uh, rental property kind of setups? I see it occasionally, Walter. And uh, if, if you're good at rental property, it can be a really good thing in your retirement because it's predictable income. The problem that I see with people trying to get into it that haven't 
you know, don't have a good background in it is they'll rent the property out and then maybe don't get such good renters and they destroy the property. I've seen that happen on both sides. But the other side, I've had, you know, clients who've had rental properties for 20, 30 years and they've produced all that income over the over these years and maybe when they get older, they sell it and they, they got that asset there too. So I like rental property if you can do it properly. All right. So that's a good one to, uh, to learn about. And again, if you want to talk more in depth about any of these subjects, you can just reach out to Kevin directly. I'll give you that number again here in a moment. What about HELOCs or uh, home equity lines of credit? Do people tap into those or, or need those in retirement? Typically, no. I haven't seen that in, in quite a long time. You know, the home equity line of credit is, you know, it's a loan, obviously. So when we're getting into retirement, most people that I talk to don't want to go down that avenue of having a monthly recurring payment of that. But in some cases, you know, I very, very rarely see that uh, HELOC, as you call it. Um, you know, I'm thinking Star Wars and you said that well. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but very rarely do I see that. Yeah, like the like the airlock. Is that what you're thinking of? Something like yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beam, beam me down to the HELOC, Scotty. That's yes. not Star Wars, I guess. That's the, the other Star Trek. space show, Star Trek. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, REITs. Speaking of HELOCs and other abbreviations and terms, REITs, R-E-I-T-S, Real Estate Investment Trusts. Are those popular? We use them here, yes. Um, they produce income. If we get, we're get we looking at certain REITs, they're, you know, they're, they're dividend-paying REITs, and we use them here all the time. So that's predictable income again. You know, it helps you diversify somewhat through your portfolio. Predictable income coming down the uh, down the line as far as income planning. And there are some out there have been doing it for a long, long time. So REITs, we use a lot here. We use we use those a lot when we're doing and planning for our particular clients. We maybe will buy three or four and put in their portfolio for them and, and use that income that it produces to supplement their income in retirement. All right. What about reverse mortgages? I know a lot of people who are close to retirement get uh, a lot of advertising targeted at them about reverse mortgages. Well, that's another thing we see. Um, we used to see James Gardner. Now I think we see Tom Selleck doing it. But, you know, they can be good or bad. You know, I have a few people who have done them uh, for different reasons. One reason was uh, we had a lady, and this was quite a few years ago, her husband retired and did not take the survivor pension benefit because all his family lived into their late 90s. For generations, they lived into his late 90s. But he died by, um, in an accident. And then when he passed away, she had no more pension. So she had to take the reverse mortgage to help supplement her income through the rest of her life. And then there's other people that I've seen that use it. You know, they don't have no kids, for example. And they'll do a reverse mortgage on their primary house. They'll use those tax-free dollars, and they'll go buy a vacation place maybe down in Florida. Now, remember, when you do a reverse mortgage, just, just like it sounds, it's reverse. You don't pay the mortgage back, but somebody pays it back. It's pay me now or pay me later type of thing. Going down the road, um, maybe your heirs or whatever has got to pay off that mortgage. But in some cases, it works really good. In most cases, we don't see people who use it a lot. Great points all around there. All right, one more, Kevin. We started off talking about rental properties. What about the other side of that investing area where people do house flipping? Is that uh, is that all that common among the retirement population? I don't see that a lot because when most people, you know, we have a few clients who are in their forties that'll do that. But most people that are getting to into retirement and stuff, and my end at least, Walter, I don't see very many people getting into the house flipping. You know, they're they're focused on. You know, not working so much to focus on retirement. They want to travel. They want to do other things. And the house flipping takes a lot of time, a lot of energy 
to get those things going is not as easy as you see in HGTV, right? You just don't buy it for a hundred thousand. Yeah. Six weeks later, you're out and you make another hundred thousand. It it's might be a little bit more intense than that. Yeah. It's a little bit more intense than that, and and that's you know. So we don't see that. So other th- things that we've talked about REITs, you know, and, and rental property, I see a lot more than the other things that we had talked about. Fantastic. Uh, If you have any questions about this, again, real estate and retirement plays an important role, even if it's not the central role of your finances. Uh, Kevin has a lot of experience working with these different levels, uh, client to client basis, depends on your interests, level of risk, how much you want to diversify into that real estate world. But hopefully that gives you a little teaser of what those conversations might play out like in the office with Kevin as you discuss your overall financial plan. Again, if you want a complimentary review of your financial situation, you can meet with Kevin in the Tri-City area, office in Pinconning. Pick up the phone to schedule 888-885-PLAN is the number. That's 888-885-7526. Or you can go online to insightfolios.com for more information. Kevin, thanks for the great help on today's show. Enjoyed the conversations with you, and uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll talk to you next week, Walter. Have a good week. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. That's Kevin Ray. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time on Simply Financial. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, Inc., a registered investment advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Insurance products and services are offered through individually licensed and appointed agents in various jurisdictions. Insight Folios, Inc. does not offer legal or tax advice. Kevin Ray is an investment advisor representative of Insight Folios, Inc.